Welcome to John H. Curry's Secure Retirement Podcast. I'm your temporary host, Steve Gordon. I am here interviewing John, and uh, this is a continuing series that that we're doing on the podcast where uh, John is really addressing some of the key issues that affect members of the Florida Retirement System. Now, if you're listening to this and you're not a member of the Florida Retirement System, today's episode is actually going to be particularly uh, useful for anyone because we're going to be talking about Social Security uh, John, welcome. I know this is a big issue for everybody. Yes, it is. And it's good to be here to talk about it. Now, you do seminars on this topic. Uh, you do webinars on this topic. I know the last live seminar that you did uh, was pretty popular. And uh, if I recall, you had about 90 or 100 people in 97, the room. We had 97 people in the room. 97 people in the room. Wow. Um that's a lot for a seminar. I work with a lot of people on doing seminars, and, and uh, that's about as full as as you get them. Um, and I, I would imagine that's because it's a hot topic. Uh, people are concerned, and it's complicated, hard to figure out. It's complicated, and it's becoming more and more important issue as we see this pandemic spread, and more and more people are losing their jobs and having to retire earlier. We'll get into that in a few minutes about you know, the different ages to claim benefits, but it's going to become an even more hot topic because the politicians are kicking it around a lot too. Uh, the income base is going up, so you have to pay more and more taxes. There's a lot of issues with Social Security. Well, kind of guide us down the path. Where, where do you begin when you're, you're talking with someone about Social Security? Well, first, let me say this. Our podcasts are typically around 30 minutes. There's no way, no way that I can cover this in 30 minutes the way it should be. So... What I want to do today is simply wherever the conversation goes, but I've got a few key points I want to make and <clears throat> let people understand the big picture. Then they can come sit with me or talk with somebody on my team for help, or they can go to the website. And I'll warn you though, the Social Security website's got a lot of good information, but then the question is you get information overloaded. What the heck do you do with it? You know, I've got a summary sheet in front of me right here. This shows updates for 2020 right off the website. Yeah, and folks, it was actually, I, I chuckled a little bit as we're preparing for this because it, it took John longer to get organized for this episode than any of the rest. I'm looking across the table. He's got printouts from the Social Security website. He's got printouts of slides and notes from presentations that he's given on this. Uh, the array of information that's in, in front of us here is uh, quite astonishing and uh, compared to every other topic we've covered in the series, it's very unique. So I can appreciate the fact that we can't get through it all in, in a single episode. But um, where, where should we begin? Where, where, where do people kind of start with in their thinking or in their questions about Social Security? Well, the first one is, okay, when can I start collecting benefits? There is still a lot of confusion on that. The earliest you can collect Social Security is age 62 for retirement. And then people will say, well, I think the system's going to go bankrupt, so I'm going to start mine as soon as possible. And I hear people, they mean well, but they would say to you, Steve, it's going to be bankrupt. You better take it as soon as you can and get all you can. And then the next step is understanding that if you wait until full retirement age, which could be 66 or 66 in two months, et cetera, until you're 67. So it comes down to year of birth, and we'll cover that. And then the maximum benefit is paid at age 70. So at age 70, you're going to get the maximum benefit and you can earn all the money you want without any type of penalty. Same thing with full retirement age. You can earn a million bucks 
no reduction of benefits. But at age 62 and up until full retirement age, there's a reduction. So we'll come back and talk about that. Also, there's a lot of confusion about how Social Security is taxed. So we'll cover some of that. And then we'll talk about what happens from the standpoint of, uh, like in my case, I'm divorced, but I was married 41 years. So what happens in the event of my death? So we'll talk about the widow and widower's benefit. A lot of misinformation on that too. And a lot of changes just in the last few years on Social Security. So that's a big picture. And then I like to touch on cost of living because everybody thinks, oh my God, I'm going to get a cost of living adjustment every year. It's by law. Well, there's a provision for it, but you don't always get a cost of living benefit. So there's a whole lot of stuff. And the truth of the matter is, I'm not even sure what we're going to cover because whatever pops in my head, depending upon your questions, is where <laughs> I'll go. But I do want to touch on those things. Okay. Well, uh, well, let's start with the age question because I would imagine that's probably in the front of everyone's mind. Yes. So I'm not anywhere near any of those ages, but let's say that I was. Right. Let's say I'm 60 years old and I'm approaching, you know, the the first age I can take it. Um, How do you begin to counsel somebody on when they should make that that decision? Great question. And even though uh, you're not 62, let's talk about you for a second. You, you're, you're 50? 49. 49. Don't make me too old. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to call you 50 to make the math easy. So 12 to 13 years away, what should you know and be doing between now and then? And anyone who's even closer to 62, let's use your 60. But I would ask this question. Tell me about after 62. So you turn 62, will you still be working? Are you full-time, part-time? What will you be doing? So let's suppose you tell me, look, I have a great future at 62. I can see myself still working, earning $100,000 a year, whatever the number is they tell me. Great. So if you're making that kind of money, are you aware of what your penalty would be if you're working and making that kind of money? I go, no. Well, you'll lose $1 for every $2 you earn above the limit, which as we're talking today is $18,240. So you hear people say, well, I can't earn more than $18,000 in retirement. And what they're referring to is the Social Security cap, the earnings limit, if you're 62. And there's another one for full retirement age, which we'll cover in a moment. Now, on the drive over, okay, to see you today, I'm talking with a client, good friend of mine, who's in a position of where he thinks he can't earn any more than $18,240 this year. I said, that's just not correct. You are now 66. In the month that you turn 66, you can earn as much as you want and not have that penalty. He didn't know that. So he's been holding back all this year on what he could earn. He could have been earning more. Well, that's no fun. I mean, you can barely put gas in the car for $18,000 a year. Yeah. (laughs) Well, although lately the gas prices are down. That's that's, true. That's good. But let me just give the quick example. Anyone born between 1943 and 1954, full retirement age is 66. And how they came up with this system, I don't know. But then at age 55, it is 66 and two months. And then if you're born in 1956, it's 66 and four months, et cetera. Working all the way up to if you were born in 1960 or after, full retirement age for you is 67. So people say, well, I can retire at 66 and get my full benefits. Well, it depends on when you were born. So that surprises people. 
So they say, whoops, I got to wait a few more months to collect. So I would imagine making that decision doesn't just come down to what, uh, you know, where, where someone is age wise or looking at social security, you sort of have to look at the whole, the whole board, you know, if, if we use the chess analogy right. and look at all of their other various financial assets to determine, well, what income do you need? Are you going to be working all the, all these different considerations? It's just one factor really. Oh, it's, it's a very, very minute factor because if you don't look at everything, I promise you, you'll look back and say, well, I made a mistake. Let me just throw some out. So at 62, you're collecting roughly 75% of what your benefit could have been had you waited four more years or five years to 66 or 67. So it's a 25% reduction for the rest of your life. So that's number one. Number two, what happens in the event of your death? What does your spouse get? You know, for some people, see, they, they don't have enough life insurance. So I'll tell some people, you should delay Social Security as long as you can. Because in your case, your Social Security benefit is going to be very important to your spouse. It used to be that the spouse got one half of the higher income person's Social Security. Now it's 100%. So if someone does, does not have a good life insurance program, and I see that, and they've got very little savings, perhaps, if they can work to 70. I said, this it's not just for you. This is for your spouse. You might want to consider this as a survivor benefit. And if somebody doesn't have that issue, say, well, work to full retirement age. Start your benefits then if you don't want to wait to 70. Now, every year that you wait, though, from full retirement age, you get an 8% increase. Now, in my case, I took mine at 66 I could have waited to 70 and got 32% more. Four times eight, 32. I didn't do that. Time value of money and working with so many people for 45 years, I said, I want mine now. And I took that money. Sometimes I'll use it to pay for life insurance. Sometimes I'll put it in savings. Sometimes I'll add it to my investments. But I just use it based on what I, sometimes I use it to take care of grandchildren. <laughs> and I, but I didn't want to wait. Could I wait it? Absolutely. Should I? Only time would tell. Because another factor is how long will I live? There's something called actuarial equivalent. If I live to life expectancy, I'm pretty much going to break even. And you'll hear people talk all the time who do this type planning. What's the break even point? In what year roughly would I receive the same amount? And it's roughly age 83. Roughly three, 83. Because Social Security uses age 83 for their life expectancy for men and women. And we're living longer. And that's another issue. If you're real healthy, got longevity on your side, do you want to collect a benefit at 66 and get it for longer? Or wait until 70, get a higher amount, but for a shorter period of time? These are all issues that have to be looked at. Uh, another issue is what is your income going to be in retirement? Maybe you don't need Social Security until 70 because of other assets. But in my case, I had the assets and I'm still working, but I said, nope, I want the money now. But I did not take it before 66 because I would have a big reduction because of my earnings. Complicated stuff. Lots of moving parts, John. So, um, you know, as uh, as everyone thinks about this, the, the thing that I hear again and again, uh, and I'm, I'm in Gen X, so I'm in the little tiny generation that, that uh, could or maybe couldn't. I don't know. We're going to find out. Um, but... The common thinking among my generation is that 
Social Security is likely not to exist. Correct. By the time we retire, because all you old guys are going to spend it all. Right. So keep working hard funding. Um, I hear that all the time. And I tell people, I do not think that you'll ever see Social Security go away. I do think you're going to see some major changes. They should have already happened years ago. And neither political party wanted to tackle it. In my opinion, you should never have been allowed to collect Social Security at 62. It was never designed for that. Congress let that happen. That was a big mistake. That's when we started seeing problems with the Social Security Trust Fund. Never should have been allowed. And they should take it away now. Nope. As of now, no more 62. Now, that would create one hell of a fuss because you got so many people that are unemployed right now because of this pandemic. And they, they need to count on Social Security soon in a lot of cases. So I'm not sure what the answer is. But I do know this. Back in 1983, there were major changes to Social Security. And things are changing quickly. 2015, Congress, bipartisan, made changes to Social Security in two weeks. Two weeks. They made a vote. It was done. And they implemented it. So things are moving faster because more and more people are realizing if we don't fix it, it's going to be in trouble. And I'll tell you, folks, if you'll go to the Social Security website and read the trustees report every year, you'll get good quality information. They're very forthright in saying that if something's not done by 2033 or 2034, depending on who you listen to, which report you read, that the system can only pad about 70% of the current benefits. So we might take a reduction, but I don't think it will ever go away. I don't think the system, meaning us, the democratic system would allow it to go away. I think there'd be such a big fuss, especially people your age and younger. I'm sure. Uh, well, you know, the, the bargain is that you pay into it all your life. That you ought to get that money back at some point, right? Well, that's the thinking. But what people need to be understanding is you're not paying in for you. I know. You're paying for the people in <laughs> front of you. And that's hard for people to get their arms around. Yep. Yep. Well, um, so we've talked a little bit about when to claim. We've talked about the health of the system a bit. Um, I love the suggestion of going and reading the, the trend. Um, what are some of the other issues that, that people worry about? I mean, you, uh, knowing about all of your seminars and all of your webinars, this one consistently, this topic consistently gets more people to come in. And uh, it's, it's got them concerned, um, maybe rightly so, maybe not rightly so, but it seems to have this, this bigger role in people's minds. It does, and I think it's for a couple of reasons. I think, one, for many people, Social Security is really the only guaranteed lifetime income they have. Folks who have a pension, like the Florida Retirement System, they have two streams of income that's guaranteed. But if you're self-employed or if you are in a job where you have a 401k but not a pension, Social Security might be the only guaranteed lifetime reliable income stream you've got. The burden is then on you to take that money that you have, whether it be 401k, 457 deferred comp, your IRA, your Roth IRA, 403b, whatever you've got. The burden is on you to make it last for the rest of your life. Now, if you understand how to do it, 
then you could take that money and create your own guaranteed pension to take care of just you or you and your spouse. Um, but another big issue that you'll hear people who have retired talk about is cost of living adjustments because we got kind of cocky about that. And I have a chart and I'm going to refer to here. We'll go back to 2009. The cost of living adjustment that year was 5.8%. And that's hard to believe because remember what the economy looked like in 2008 and 2009? Well, I think that was Congress's way of saying we've got to do something because people are in trouble financially. But then in 2010 and 2011, zero cost of living adjustment, nothing. And then it was 3.6, and then it hovered around 1.7. Then in 2016, zero again. For this year, they raised it 1.6%. So people will complain, okay, I got a cost of living adjustment, but with the increase in Medicare, which we'll cover in another podcast, my, my premiums went up for Medicare Part B, so it wiped out my pay increase. And I'll, I'll touch on this because um, it's important to understand that when you take Social Security, Medicare Part A is part of that. Part B, you have to pay for. Now, if you don't have enough quarters to get full benefits, it's 40 quarters, 10 years of employment. If you don't have enough quarters, then you may have to pay out of pocket for Part A. People don't know that. Then Part B, we all have to pay for. There's an out-of-pocket cost for that. And it could be higher depending upon your income in retirement. So it kind of sneaks up on you. Well, we're going to cover that in, I think, the next episode. We're going to get all all into uh, Medicare yes. uh, for folks who have questions about that because that's a whole other complex topic. Another issue is taxation. Uh, I still meet with people. They don't realize somehow... I think they knew it, but they forgot that when they start collecting Social Security, that it would be taxed. Because at one time, your benefit was not taxed. You pay tax on the way, right? You put the money in. And I said, what do you mean I'm taxed? Well, depending upon your income level, an individual or married couple, up to 50% could be taxed. As high as 85% of your income from Social Security could be taxed. There's a formula that your, your CPA or who does your taxes can calculate for you. But the bottom line is married couple earning over a certain amount of income. I won't get into specifics because it's change each year, but uh, you may find that up to 85% of your social security benefit is uh, considered income for tax purposes. But that's a shock for people. It is for some others. No. Uh, and I, it, it impacts me. I don't like paying that much tax on social security. So you take 85% of your benefit times whatever your tax bracket is. You just watch that money go right back to the government. (laughs) Well, when you're having your your seminars, John, and you've got people in the room, what are some of the questions that come up? You know, when people have the opportunity to to ask you about certain aspects of the, what are some of the other questions that we haven't touched on? Excuse me. Uh, One would be, okay, what am I really paying into Social Security? And I find that interesting because on your pay stub, it tells you the number. But most people just don't pay attention to it. I think they're paralyzed by it. I, I'm just, it's too complicated. Don't bother me. I don't want to just tell me the answer. Well, I can tell you on the front end, I mean, as somebody who pays that, it sort of just goes into the ether. It does. It does. But let me give you the specific numbers. And this is right off of Social Security's latest update. 6.2% 
is what you pay on your earnings up to $137,700 a year. So anything over $137,000 in this tax year, 2020, uh, you don't pay tax on that. However, on the Medicare portion, you pay 1.45% no matter how much income you make. If you make $10 million, you pay 1.45%. And there's a lot of people in the political world are saying, hey, it's time to get rid of the cap and 6.2% no matter how much you earn. And that's one of the big issues that's being debated among politicians now uh, as they debate these issues in Congress. Okay, why is there a cap? Why wouldn't you pay 6.2%? If you make $500,000 a year, we want you to pay 6.2% on the entire 500. So a lot of things happening there. Um, this has been addressed so many times, and every time they get close, there's so much political pressure. I mean, just, just think about uh, all of those gray-haired people out there. AARP is such a big lobbying uh, force that every time Congress wants to do something, they're on them. And full disclosure, I'm a member of AARP, support what they do. But at some point, we've got to say, you know what? It's got to change. It's got to change, or it will go the way of the dinosaur and become extinct. But I don't think I don't think people will let that happen. There'll be enough changes to make it work. Hmm. Well, John, this is uh, this is fascinating stuff. Are there any other key issues? At a high level, you want to cover? Well, I want to touch on a little bit more detail about the earnings cap. Mm-hmm. For 62, so if you're 62 years old, you know, people will say, I can't make more than $18,000. And this year, it's 18240 But there's another one that people forget about. And in my seminars and webinars, I like to ask this question. It's a bit of a trick question. What happens in the year that you turn full retirement age? And in the year you, you turn full retirement age, you can earn $48,600 without having a uh, reduction. However, for every dollar over that, every $3 over that limit, you lose a dollar of your benefit. But in the birth month, birth month that you turned full retirement age that year, then there's no cap. You can earn a million bucks a year. So it's a little bit confusing because I'll see people who say, well, I'm going to start my Social Security now. And so you might want to wait two months because in two months you'll be full retirement age. Well, there's no difference. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Have Social Security calculated for you and come back and tell me what you find. They're like, holy cow, I was going to lose a bunch of money. Yes, you were. Because if you earn a lot, then it impacts you. Another issue that we should touch on. What happens upon your death? If you've been married for 10 years or more, key phrase is 10 years, then upon your death, your spouse would be entitled to a widow or widower's benefit, a spousal benefit. While living in retirement, your spouse would be entitled to a retirement benefit based on your earnings, either theirs if it's higher or yours if yours is higher. A lot of questions about that. And it's a little confusing because I just had a situation where a man died. Wife thought she was going to collect his full Social Security benefit. And I said, that's not going to happen. You got to go talk to them or at least get them on the phone because you're going to have a reduction because of your age and the amount of money you make. And she said, that does not apply to me as a widow. I said, yes, it does. 
that was changed at one time. You're correct. But that changed a few years ago. I can't tell you exactly what year, but it was changed. And I'm going to tell you, Steve, I, I have to constantly review and update myself because it changes. Congress will make changes. Sometimes it's widely known, but most of the time it's not. And Social Security Administration, I don't even know how many thousands of regulations there are. I don't even know. At one time, I, I could tell you there's like 5,000 plus rules and regulations regarding Social Security. I don't know what it is. It's probably 6,000 by now. Who knows? It doesn't matter. It's complicated. And there, there's some frustration out there because you talk to one person with Social Security, you get one answer, another person, another answer. So it's truly up to the um, individual, the retiree, to do their homework and get some help. And, and full disclosure, got to say it again, I don't claim to be an expert in Social Security. I'm pretty darn good at it. But I don't work for Social Security. They don't pay me. Uh, I don't have access to everything they've got any more than you do. I have to go online and look at it. I will tell you that I'm part of a study group where we pay close attention to what's happening with Social Security, Medicare, uh, retirement income planning in general, and tax planning. Yeah, I think this is one of the probably the most challenging and frustrating things um, is just trying to keep up with it. Because you're right. I mean, the... Congress has almost an incentive not to publicize when they're making changes mm-hmm. because it's going to ruffle feathers, as you say. Yes. Uh, and so to stay on top of all of these things, I mean, you have to be simultaneously a lobbyist or a congressional reporter uh, and a financial planner and an accountant, mm-hmm. um, you know, to really keep up with it. What's interesting in the 80s, there was hardly any press coverage about the changes that Social Security made. And the little bit that was, it was talking about the taxation of the benefit. But there were major changes. And, and I would encourage people, you know, if, you, if you're into this like I am, go look at it. It's public information. But it does take time. Uh, and you have to have an interest in it. And most people won't do it. That's why I tell people, if, if, you, if you can do it yourself and you want to do it, go do it. But if you don't want to deal with that stuff, come see us and we'll have a good discussion. And if we can help you, we'll go to work. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a minute, John, because, I mean, this is complicated stuff. Uh, and I think for most people, they're going to look to a professional to help them, whether it's you or somebody like you. They're going to look for somebody who can kind of hold their hand, who does this day in and day out. I mean, you've got the advantage of, you know, in a, you know, a given day, maybe you work with half a dozen people on these issues or your team with a dozen people on these issues. Correct. And uh, and so you see a lot of different variations, which gives you a perspective, you know, and a knowledge of it that that most people wouldn't have as, you know, same with other professionals in your business. They're looking at, at this all the time. So if someone is, <clears throat> is thinking, oh, okay, I need to go get, get some help. What does the process look like for somebody to go through? They come in and maybe they meet with you and, how do you how do you walk them through what to look at first? Because it's not just Social Security. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. That's correct. Well, and each person, we start at different places. So, for example, maybe you come and you say, look, I'm 49 years old. I'm concerned about saving for retirement. So each person is different. But my process is this. First, we either start with a telephone appointment, which is you know 20 minutes, 30 minutes, find out if we really need to get together. And then we'll either have a face-to-face appointment or do it online, have clients in 13 states. So we do a lot of online meetings even before the virus hit. 
Um, but then it's a matter of, okay, let's, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about what you're trying to accomplish. Let's find out if what you're needing and my skill set will mesh. If so, then we go to work. For some people, it is, I am paying way too much in taxes. Can you help me reduce taxes? I said, well, I'm not a CPA. I'm not a tax attorney, but let me look at it. And I might have to refer you back to one of those professionals, but let's look at it. For others, it is specifically Social Security. I am so confused. You know, I've got my benefit. We have a spouse benefit. You know, when do we take each other's? You know, do I work longer and delay to 70 and my wife take it now? It's all over the place. But the first step for us, the very, and I won't, this, I will not shortcut, period. I, I will refuse to deal with the client if they don't do this part. You have to give me full facts. I have to know exactly what you've got. We put it in the system that we use to look at everything. Everything from car insurance, home insurance, your health insurance, your legal documents, your life insurance, long-term care if you have it. We look at everything. And then we look at assets, liabilities, and cash flow. But occasionally somebody will say, I don't want that. Just sell me a product. Okay, if you just want to buy a product, you want me to be a salesman? Great. Yeah, what do you want to buy? But once we get into that, they never do it that way. Because they realize that it doesn't make sense just to buy a product. Uh, But for me, the, the first step is we lay everything out. We discuss what's working, discuss what needs work prioritize and then the question is are you going to do this or we do it for you and if we're going to do it we'll sit down and talk about what the fee is and go to work pretty simple process i think it's very simple it's not easy but it's simple the hard part is bringing together all the pieces so you bring me all these pieces like it's like you're dumping a jigsaw puzzle on the desk and uh, my team and i have to take all these pieces and put them together and most people, when they're serious about it, and once they engage, they find all the pieces and bring it to us. Well, talk, talk about that for a minute, because I think that's <clears throat> that's a real challenge. I mean, particularly for people who maybe have had, uh, you know, if they've been employed maybe in multiple places, maybe they got multiple retirement plans. Yes. Um, or, you know, with this series, <clears throat> we're talking with, you know, people here in the Florida retirement system. There are a lot of different options there. Mm-hmm. So pulling... Just the act of pulling all the information together can almost be overwhelming, I would imagine. It is. For some people, it's very overwhelming, and they don't get started. And they haven't gotten started because of that. So I I say, come sit with me, and we'll make it easy for you. We'll give you a format that you can go get. And if you don't know what your benefits are, we can help you contact the former employer and get that. Uh, the, The biggest frustration, Steve, that I see is people within the university system. Because they may have worked in four or five different universities. They got a benefit here and a benefit here and a benefit there. Now, how do I pull this together? And they end up with multiple accounts they've got to do something with. And we get into the episode talking about required minimum distributions. that gets complicated there. And we have to remind them all of these, all this beautiful money you've accumulated on tax deferred basis. Guess what? IRS is waiting. And they are licking their chops because they're, they're gonna, you're going to pay tax on every dollar that comes out. And so you start, we talked earlier, another episode about people think they'll be in a lower tax bracket. Well, fast forward, you retire, you have a pension or you have your 401k and you've got money in deferred comp. Maybe you have the drop program with a chunk of money 
and you're collecting Social Security. So Social Security, your pension, all taxed. Every dollar from a retirement plan, taxed. So don't just assume that because you retired, you'll be in a lower tax bracket. It's probably not going to be lower. It would probably be the same or higher. Yeah, I think that's shocked to most people. Well, John, um, bringing this all to a close, what I guess from a, 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 a sense of ne- next actions, somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, okay, well, I'm getting close. What should they do next? Well, they should find someone, whether it's me or my team or someone else. They should find someone they can sit down and say, look, this is all my stuff. Help me. And, and I'll, I'll make a plug for me and, and my team for a minute here. I've been through this for myself. I've gone through, okay, do I take it at 62, 66, or 70? What about Medicare Part B and all this stuff? I've gone through that. And I've done it also for a lot of clients, literally hundreds of clients. And what's happened with me, Steve, is I've, I started in business at age 22. Well, I'm 67 now. I'll be 68 in December. So I'm in a situation where I've grown with my clients. So as they got frustrated with something, they would come see me and say, do you know anything about this? No, but I'll research it. So I would do my homework to help that person. Next thing you know, I've got this, hopefully some wisdom, because of having that experience of helping people. So I've been there, done that. Plus, I'll just remind people who may not have heard the first episodes. My grandfather and my father uh, retired, and all they had was Social Security and their pension. That was it. They didn't have drop back then. They didn't have deferred comp. They didn't do, not do a great job of accumulating other assets. They had no debt. They were debt-free in retirement, but they didn't have a lot of assets. So I've been there. I grew up in a state employee family, so I understand the issues. I understand understand a lot of it. Let's just put it that way. And I would encourage people, if you're not sure, have a conversation with me or with somebody on my team. And if, if you'd like to get a copy of my book, I'll send you that, and you can check us out. Very good. Well, um, folks, if you've uh, if if you've tuned into this and uh, have not heard the other episodes in this series, go to johnhcurry.com, click on the podcast link up at the top, and uh, you can find the whole series there. And um, and certainly subscribe in your favorite podcast player because we've got a couple more episodes in this series ahead of us. We're going to be talking about Medicare in uh, in the next episode. So you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. And then um, in the final one of these uh, episodes, we're going to talk about required minimum distributions. Um, And I know that's a big hot topic, John. It's a hot topic. And the SECURE Act last year made some major changes that people don't know about yet. Uh, I'll mention it to them. They'll go, I never heard of that. I understand. There was no reason for you to hear about it. I'm telling you now, so it's 15, 20 years in advance because... Your kids and grandkids are going to get hurt if you don't address this. Wow. Well, folks, tune in for that. Um, Again, subscribe in your favorite podcast player um, and go ahead and leave a five-star rating for this in Apple iTunes so other people can find it, share it with your friends. Um, Mr. Curry, wrap us up by letting everybody know how they can reach you if they want to have a personal conversation. The best way is to call me at the office, Tallahassee number, 850 562-3000, 850-562-3000. And just ask for a telephone appointment. Or if you know you're ready to go to work, just say, I want to come see John or book a more detailed appointment. And uh, Steve, you mentioned the website, johnhcurry.com. 
johnhcurry.com. Check it out occasionally because there's some good information on there, all of the podcasts, and there's some information on there about Social Security from time to time. Very good. Well, thank you for uh, investing a little bit of time with me today and sharing with everybody. Folks, we'll be back in the next episode. We'll see you then. If you'd like to know more about John Curry services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Chartered Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities products and services and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System, the Living Balance Sheet, and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York, copyright 2005-2020. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities or Guardian and Opinion Stated RRM. The Social Security Administration has not approved, endorsed, or authorized this presentation. Contact the Social Security Administration for complete details regarding eligibility for benefits. 2020-113398 expires December 2022.